0: We're back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn to your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today we're going to look at how to be ambassadors for Christ. title of my message this morning is being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And it comes from our scripture in this chapter right towards the end. It says, therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we're going to talk about in the Scripture this morning some principles Paul's going to give us on being ambassadors for Christ. Now, question: What does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, I looked it up in the Webster's this week, and what it talks about in the Webster's about being an ambassador for Christ is ambassador. Webster dictionary defines it as this: uh, an ambassador is a diplomat, diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign state to another state as its resident representative. Let me say that again. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign state to another state as its representative, resident representative. Now, the way it worked in the Roman Empire, where Paul was writing, was the Roman Empire uh, took over the world pretty much with an iron fist, and when they'd come in and they'd conquer a nation, what they would do in conquering that nation is they'd come in and they'd have ambassadors come in with the terms of peace. And they'd say, okay, if you now you know, surrender, and you surrender, and you go with these terms of peace, you could become an extension of the Roman Empire. You could be actually, some, sometimes they, they said you could even become citizens of the Roman Empire. And so the analogy to us is we have become a part of the citizenship of heaven, we're told that in Philippians 3.20, that we are actually citizens of heaven. If we've come to Christ, we become a part of God's household, God's, God's forever family. And as citizens of heaven now, we have the terms of peace. And the terms of peace is we can go to a dark, lost world and say, with the gospel of peace, we could say, here are the terms. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be saved. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the terms of peace. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can have peace. You can be saved. You can be right with God. And so we're ambassadors for Christ. And we have this message of peace. And we can bring other people into our citizenship of heaven through being ambassadors for Christ. Do you see that? Do you see how that works? And so let's look at what Paul has to say about this ambassadorship that we have. Let's jump right in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Well, here we go. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with heavens, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed, our dwelling from heaven. And as much as we have been put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, therefore being always of good courage, and knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're what? Absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're of good courage, I say, and prefer, here it is, rather to be absent from the body, And to be where? At home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to God, to Him. For, look at this we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Here's the first principle about being an ambassador for Christ, and Paul explains it in detail keep your eye on the prize. You want to be an ambassador for Christ, keep your eye on the prize. And what's the prize? It's heaven. And he gives a detailed explanation here of heaven. And what's the explanation? of heaven? Let's go back. Let's dig a little bit. Let's, let's look at what Paul tells us about the prize that's awaiting us on the other side of this life. First of all, he says about this prize, heaven, is we're just in earthly tents right now. What's a tent? By the way, Paul was a tent maker. He knew a lot about tents. It was his vocation. He knew that tents were temporary. Tents were flimsy, tents that if a hurricane like at the beach we just had blow through those what happened to those tents? They'd get blown over, right? But Paul says our prize. So we know that we have a building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, and that's our future. The prize of our future is we look back in when we were in First Corinthians fifteen fifty to 58, the prize is one day is the trumpet's gonna blow and we're gonna see Christ face to face and these mortal bodies are gonna become immortal these perishable bodies will become what? Imperishable, that's the prize. And he goes on and describes this prize a little bit more even though in this house we groan, going back to verse two, but we long to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven as much as we have not put it on we will not be found naked for indeed while we're in this tent we groan. And the older we get, the more we groan, right? Oh, I can't wait for heaven. No more Advil. No more No more groaning with, with muscles pains and back pains and neck pains. No more groaning. Being burdened because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so we, what is mortal will be solved by life. Now, look at verse 5 too. Part of the prize that we have to look forward to. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is a is God who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Now, part of the understanding of the prize that's coming is the Spirit we have right now. What does he say about the Spirit right there? The Spirit's what? It's a pledge. Now, if you look in, in my version, actually, in the uh, cross-references, it says pledge can actually be translated a down payment. What's a down payment? It's just a partial payment with something bigger coming later. The partial payment God's already made to us is the Spirit of God. We've been given the Spirit to give us a little taste of heaven because the future is just going to be a million times better than with the little tastes of heaven we have here on earth, right? I remember I went to Greg Laurie's very first harvest crusade in Southern California. And I'll never forget it because we had no idea as Calvary Chapel, how many people would come. It's like a 10,000-seat outdoor auditorium. It was amazing. Uh, and even Greg was a little nervous. I so go, I don't know who's going to come. We're just inviting over the Calvary Chapel Radio people to come out to this crusade. It's like 10,000 people came. Very first crusade. It was amazing. And I, I was there. We were actually, there's a grass area, a bunch of people from our church in California. We were all there. And we were sitting there that night. And the Maranatha Praise Band came out. It was a beautiful Southern California summer night. And the praise band led us in worship and brought us into heaven. And as we as believers who had the spirit within us, we, we, just, we just felt like this is like a taste of heaven on your earth. And then Greg gave this great message and he gave an altar call and like 3,000 people came forward to receive Christ. And it was amazing. I mean, it was, like a, it was like heaven here on earth. And then the Meredith Atha Praise Band came out during the altar call and all these people got saved and stuff. And then no one wanted to leave. Seriously. So, Meredith Band just prayed, played another song and another song and another song. And we had, you know, 10,000 people that were all just worshiping God about all these 3,000 people that just got saved. And it was just amazing because Pastor Chuck, who was kind of promoted and emceed the whole event, came out on the stage after about another 30 minutes of singing at the end and said, Hey, hey, folks, only in heaven does it not stop. We've only rented this amphitheater to this time, and we got to get out of here. Nobody wanted to leave because the Spirit of God was like a down payment of the prize of heaven that was coming. That's what Paul's pointing to here as ambassadors. So got if we want to be good ambassadors, keep our eye on the prize. But also, he says in verse 6, Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're of good courage, as they prefer rather to be absent from the body at home of the Lord. And then it says, what we have is our ambition, whether at home or absent, be pleasing to him. Now, then he makes this amazing statement. He says, for we must all appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ. Now, careful with that. Careful. You know, there's a judgment seat of Christ in Revelation 20, 11 to 15, called the great white throne of judgment. And it says, all the books are gonna be opened, Everything's going to be revealed about the dead they are going to be before, before the throne of Christ, and then they're going to be thrown in a lake of fire. That's not what's being talked about here. That's for the dead. That's for the people that reject Christ, that don't receive Christ. They're going to be brought before this great white right throne of judgment, and they're, they're, there's going to be actual books open on all the deeds they've ever done, and they're going to be judged according to their deeds. But for those of us that have received Christ, we're not going to face a great white right throne of judgment. The Greek there for judgment seat there is actually the bema. The Bema seat. The Bema seat was the seat of rewards at the Isthmian Games in Corinth and also the Olympic Games in Athens. The Bema seat was where the judges would sit to give the Lore wreaths and the rewards to those that won. And so what it's saying there is keep your eye on the prize because we're all gonna face the judgment seat, the Bema seat. We're gonna be rewarded accordingly for what we do here on earth. Now, are we saved by what we do here on earth? No, we're saved by what? grace through faith. That not itself is a gift to God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. But, we are going to be evaluated, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, with a revealing fire. It's going to burn away the wood, hay, and stubble. All the temporary stuff, the worldly stuff we've done is burned away. And only the precious stones of the eternal things we've done for God are going to be remained. And at the beam of seed of Christ, is going to be revealed what we've done for Christ. And we're going to be rewarded accordingly. And so how does that motivate us to be ambassadors for Christ? It does, doesn't it? Because we want to we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your master. Well done, well done. We all want to hear those words. And a part of keeping your eye on the prize is being what Paul says here. Be of good courage, he says. Don't lose heart, be of good courage. He also says, hey, make it your ambition whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him, have a life that you're living that's pleasing to God. And then He also says, "Don't walk by sight; walk by what faith. Have this faith that you're trusting the Lord in all your heart. You're leaning out on in your own mercy. in All your ways you're acknowledging Him, and He will direct your path. You walk by faith, not by sight. And then you could be those ambassadors for Christ that God's called you to be. See that first thing. Keep your eye on the what." And what's the prize? It's heaven and eternity, and we all groan for that as ambassadors for Christ. Keep your eye on the prize. Now, going on, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we're made manifest to God, and I hope that we're made manifest also in your consciences. We're not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you'll have an answer for those who take pride in appearance, not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, you know what Paul's saying there? Beside ourselves is kind of, if we're a little crazy, you know, it's like someone who's beside himself is like, hey, how are you doing today? I'm not doing so good. How are you doing? And you're beside yourself. You're just talking to yourself, right? Paul says if, we're a little, if you think we're a little crazy, it's for God. If we're a sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for what? For him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's the second thing that Paul says. We not only need to keep our eyes on the prize, we need to live for who? We need not for ourselves. We need to live for Christ. We need to have a life, and he lays this out in these verses. A part of living for Christ, go back to the top of those verses, verse 11. A part of living for Christ is knowing the fear of the Lord. What does it mean, fear? Reverence, respect, honor. We've lost that in our culture a little bit for God. Now, our dollar bill is saying, God, we trust, but people are talking about God being the good old boy in the sky. And they flippantly talk about God and, you know, even, it's crazy to me. One of the things that just, I have this pet peeve with, I, I, I don't mind country music. Some of the songs, you know, God Bless the USA and things like that and stuff. But I, I struggle with some of these country music stars because one, one, one song they'll sing about, you know, Jesus Take the Wheel and the next song they'll sing about not even knowing their last name because they got so drunk in Vegas. And I'm going, no, fear the Lord there. Reverence, Respect. For God. Part of, part of being ambassadors for Christ is we have a fear of the Lord. We honor him in our lives. We respect him. We revere him in our lives. And that's what he's saying, knowing the fear of the Lord. A part of living for Christ too is this, we don't care what men think. It says, hey, we're not again commending ourselves to you that giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you'll take answer for those who take pride in appearance, not in heart. You know what he's saying there? We don't care about pride and appearance and all this outward stuff. Because God doesn't look at the outward stuff. God looks at what? He looks at the heart. And Paul says, we're living for Christ because we don't care what man thinks. We care what God thinks. Our our priority is not to be man-pleasers. Our priority is to be God-pleasers. That's being a good ambassador for Christ. You're going to care more about what God's thinking than what man thinks. And that's why Jesus said, hey, don't worry. Uh, Don't be afraid of the one that could just kill your body. Have some fear of the one that can deal with your soul in eternity. Have a fear of the Lord. That's part of being an ambassador for Christ. But the most important part in these verses about being an ambassador for Christ, living for Christ, is the love of Christ has to control our lives. Look at that verse again. It says, for the love of Christ controls us. Another version says constrains us. Another version actually says the love of Christ has us in its grip. Another version says it compels us. The love of Christ controls us, compels us, has us in its grip. And how do we have that? Because we know that one died, and therefore all died, and he died so that those who live might no longer live from themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Here's a, here's a key. If you want to live for Christ, be in the grip of his love. And how do we do that? By remembering what he's done for us. By staying at the cross. By singing songs like we sang this morning about how he saved us by his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but we have eternal life. By remembering that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we're yet, what, sinners, Christ, died for us. By remembering great verses of, of, of just honor in regards to what he's done for our sins, it's amazing. I mean, Jesus said, John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his what? It's an amazing statement. He calls us his friends. The love of Christ controls us. That's why we live for him, because he died for us. I like First John four nine and ten. It also says this: By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. And this is love—not that we loved God, but that He what loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That's the satisfaction for God's righteous requirements for our sins. The love of God, love of God. I, I don't know if if you remember the movie, but Passion. Remember the movie Passion? I'll never forget seeing that first time. We rented a whole theater for the church to go see it because it's probably um, the most accurate portrayal of what Christ did on the cross. I mean, just visually, it just showed you what Jesus suffered on his flogging and his whipping and then the crucifixion. I remember just watching that as a church and saying, almost traumatized by it. And then as we were going out of the theater, I, there's another brother in Christ that I knew from the community was coming in, or he was going out when we were coming in. And his name was Whalen. I said, Whalen, what would you think of that? And he goes, <laughs> I'll never forget a statement. He said, after seeing what Jesus just did on, on that cross in that movie, he said, I never want to sin ever again, you know, because he did that for me. Now, that doesn't mean he's never going to sin again. But see what the cross should do for us? It should motivate us to live for him because he died for us, right? I went to see it a second time, and I I actually saw it with my mom uh, before she passed. We saw the movie The Passion with my mom, and I remember just like this watching this because he did that for me. That's what the cross should do for us is we should just say, oh, I need to live for him because he died for me. You see that? See, living for him, second, not only keep our eyes on the prize. You want to be an ambassador for Christ. Live for him. Fear him. Honor him. Reverence him. Respect him. Live for him because he died for you. Let the love of Christ control and compel you and have, it, have you in our script because of what Christ did for you. Now, verse 16, go on. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Now, this is a great verse. Every Christian should have this verse 17 underlined. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's a great promise. I love that promise. You know what I'm saying? If you've placed your faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature. Actually, another version says you're a new creation. What does that mean? God is creating in you a whole new life. And not only that, the old's gone. All the junk, all the garbage, all the sin, all the failures, all the mistakes, all the brokenness, it's gone. And you're a new creature, new creation in Christ. And you can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion <laughs> until the day of Christ Jesus. And every day, through the Holy Spirit, as you submit to him, he's taken out the hammer. <laughs> he's taken out the potter's hands. He's taken out, and he's working on those rough edges as you're making something beautiful in your life. As we behold his face, as we learn in 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold his face, he changes us from glory to glory into his image. And that's the next principle for being an ambassador of Christ. Be in the process of allowing God to change your life and continue to live in that new life. Don't go back to the old stuff. Stay in the new. Live that new life. That's a big part of representing Christ well. You're not going to go back to the vomit of the world. You're going to stay in the newness of life in Christ. Because if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. I was reminded of that again yesterday. Boy, we saw a good movie yesterday. I went with Heidi and Dan Osterhouse, one of my elders, and his son Luke, who actually led us in worship this morning on the keyboards. And we, we went to Columbiana Grand, and we saw this new movie, uh, Unbroken. The Path to Redemption. The Louis Ze- uh, Zepper- Zemperini's story. Amazing. If you haven't seen it, go see it, man. It'd be a great thing to do in the rain. But it was it was a, a, a real Christian theme to it, because after he survived a Japanese POW camp, after he survived 47 days on the high seas with 40-foot-high waves and sharks and planes going by and shooting at him, and then a POW camp, he got out, and the whole movie chronicles, this, this movie that just came out chronicles how when he got out, he had serious PTSD or whatever it's called. He had all kinds of issues, nightmares for two and a half years. It was awful, and then he turned to alcohol to try to just exist and, and survive. But then after, when he all, had lost about just about everything, including his mind, there was a guy called Billy Graham in his city of Los Angeles that did his first big crusade in a tent. And this Louis Zemperini was brought there by his wife, who was about to divorce him. He walked in the tent, and the first two or three nights in the movie, he... He walked out. First, he just he couldn't stand it. But then by the third night, I think it was about the third night, the gospel touched his heart. He walked forward. And he bent his knee to Christ. 1949. He said, Jesus, I need you. He received Christ. And it was a great portrayal of a new life in Christ, that movie. Amazing. And the cool thing at the end of the movie. They interviewed him. He just the, him, the, First of all, they showed us a picture of him and Billy Graham in his last year or two of his life. And they're both really, really old. And they're just like arms around each other kind of thing like this. And then they actually interviewed him before he died. And he was talking about how his whole life was changed by that one event of receiving Christ in 1949. He said that up until that event, he was in the bondage of demons and alcohol. He had nightmares for two and a half years. He said, that night I received Christ, he said, I never had a nightmare again after that night. He said, I had a nightmare every night for two and a half years. And then I received Christ. The nightmares went away. And then he said in this interview at the very end of the movie, where it's really him being interviewed, he said, and then I was able to uh, start a boys camp for boys up in the mountains that were juvenile delinquents, and he went out and talked about how he became this ambassador for Christ. Then they showed this really cool video of, of him giving his testimony at a Billy Graham crusade. I'm going, oh, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is come. Or the old is gone, the new has come. Amen? Amen. That's a part of being an ambassador for Christ. Is people see our lives are changed by this gospel of peace. Living in the newness of life big part of being an ambassador for christ now let's go on verse 18 now all these things are, are from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation namely that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us what what is he committed to us the word of reconciliation therefore we are what there's here's our verse we're what We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And he who made him who knew no sin was to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now reconcile, what does that mean? The definition of the word really is is allowing an enemy or working on behalf so that an enemy will become a friend. Reconciliation is just turning an enemy into a friend. And what it's saying, the implication of those verses is this, is that our job as ambassadors for Christ is to bring this gospel of peace to people that are at enmity with God so that now they can be reconciled. And we actually, the words there, is we have a ministry of Reconciliation. We have this ministry of helping people that are over here in darkness, in bondage, in the grips of the devil. We help them that are enemies with God right now. We help them to cross a bridge of faith in Jesus Christ and now they become friends, friends of God, friends. The ministry of reconciliation, that's our job, is to have this peace message that if you receive Christ, you don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to be an enemy with God. You don't have to be at hostility with God. And hey, here's the lie of the world. The lie of the world is, hey, you could just have this truce with God. You could, you just He's up there, you're down here, you leave him alone, he'll leave you alone, and you're fine. Is that what Scripture says? Jesus said either you're for me or you're against me. The book of James talks about this too. James four four says, "You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself a what? Enemy of God. So we got a job to do, because there's all these people that are without Christ that are in enemy status with God, and they're in if they don't receive Christ." is they're going to stay in that enemy status with God, and they're going to spend eternity in a place called hell, which is defined as outer darkness in the scriptures. And so, our job is to rescue them from that, to give them the gospel of peace, to go into their world of darkness and shine the light in such a way they may see our good works, and they too may glorify our Father in heaven and bring them from darkness to friendship with God through this gospel message of peace that we have. And what's the gospel? That last verse we just read is the gospel in a nutshell. God made him who knew no sin, for the last verse, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's her message. Theologians call this substitutionary atonement. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, who had never sinned, the only man that ever lived that was perfect because he was God in the flesh, he went to a cross To become sin on our behalf. And that's why he said when he was dying, it is finished. Paid, literally translated, paid in full. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Substitutionary atonement. I don't understand it's a divine mystery. We're never gonna understand fully how he took our sin on the cross, but we know that he took every single sin of the world He died for that on the cross, for the whole world. There's some scripture that defines that a little bit. Let me give you a couple. Uh, Colossians 2, 13 to 15 says, when you were dead in the transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. See that? He's dying on the cross. He was kneeling your sin of debt to the cross. God made him who knew sin to be sin on your behalf that you might become the righteousness of God in him. First Peter 3:18 also describes it. it says, "For Christ also died for sins, once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit." He said, "The just, perfect, Jesus, never sinned. The just died on a cross for us who are unjust, in order that He might bring us to God." That's amazing. amazing. that's our message. And that's our message of reconciliation. And again, I don't know how it works. I really don't know how it works. I just know that when Jesus died on the cross, he said, paid in full. And I know that a part of what he was doing there when he was dying on that cross was he was taking the penalty for every rape, every child abuse, every murder, every sin. He was bearing that. And God's judgment for that upon the cross And that's why he was crying out in the midst of that death. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it wasn't just the physical torture he was going through. It was the judgment he was taking for us upon the cross. And the amazing thing is you put faith in that and trust Christ and what he's done for your sins on the cross, and you receive him into your life, As Savior and Lord, your sins are covered. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all your sin. And that's our message, isn't it? It's a message of reconciliation. It's an incredible message of peace that we have. And again, I don't know how it all works, but I know it works. (laughs) I know in 1978 in February when I received Christ and I was dealing with condemnation and guilt and lostness, I came to Christ and received him as my Savior and Lord. It's like this burden, this load of guilt was lifted off my shoulders and I was given peace. And I'm so glad that there's ambassadors working as witnesses in my life for months before that that wouldn't stop telling me about this message of peace that's available through Jesus Christ. And I'm committed to the rest of my life being an ambassador for Christ because I want to rescue as many people as possible so that they could turn from this state of lostness, enmity, enemy status with God and give them as an ambassador this peace so they can now walk the bridge of faith and come and be friends of God along with us. I think it's going to be an exciting school year this year for us at Calvary Chapel. We're going to see a whole bunch of you be ambassadors for Christ this each one reach one thing, that's our theme right now, isn't it? And we're going to see some great things happen in this fellowship as we trust him to be, to be instruments in his hand, ambassadors for Christ. So what are some of the principles we saw this morning if we're going to be effective in this? Number one, keep your what? Eye on the prize. And the prize is what? Heaven. There's, we're groaning for it right now, but there's coming a day. We're going to be absent from these bodies, and we're going to be present with the Lord. and It's going to be awesome. That's our future. Christ and us is the hope of glory. Number two, live for Christ, not for people. Have the fear of the Lord in your life. And a part of living for Christ is be in the grip, in the constraint, in the uh, be controlled by the love of Christ. Let him grip you with his love. Amen? Number three, if we're going to be ambassadors for Christ, continue to walk in newness of life. Realize you're not the same person anymore. You're a new creature in Christ. So walk in that, church. Live in that. Don't, don't go back to the vomit of this world. Live in the new, new, newness of life. And number four, we saw very important. Hey, not only continue to live in the newness of Christ, but be an ambassador for Christ because you have a ministry of reconciliation. Realize you've got a job to do. The only reason why God's leaving us here in this filthy, sin-filled world is because we're supposed to be an ambassador and bring terms of peace to a world that's lost in an enmity status with God. So and our message is simple. Christ died for sins once for all, the just from the unjust, in order to bring us to, to God. The message is simple. Message is this that Jesus Christ took our sins upon the cross, and if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be saved. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So let's be out there, highways and hedges. Let's be representing Christ well. Let's live in the fear of the Lord and let's, rep, let's be out there with terms of peace. And each one, let's reach one. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, God, that your word is true. Thank you, God, Father, for the way that you've called us. To, you've got a great calling for our lives. The calling is this, to be ambassadors for Christ. Lord, help us to be in a place, Lord, that we can allow you to use us Help us to be, like we talked about this morning, keeping our eye on the prize of heaven. Help us to remember there's a future for us that's going to be so much greater than this world. And the future is Christ in us is the hope of glory, God. Help us to be people, too, that are just living for not this world or for others or for appearance sakes. Help us to be living the fear of the Lord. And help us to also be living in such a way that we're letting your love control our lives, God. Father, I just thank you so much for the way that you're working in this body and you're allowing us to represent you, Father, in the world around us. Help us to continue to live in the fear of the Lord and letting the love of Christ control us, Lord. And Father, I pray too that we we don't go back to the old ways. We live in newness of life, Father. Forgive us for the ways we slip sometimes, Lord, and go back to old habits and old sins. May May we just turn from that. Any man that doesn't keep his hand to the plow and keeps looking back is not worthy for your kingdom God so help us to go forward help us to press on to that upward call that you have for each one of us in our lives Lord Father I pray too that we would be people that are about this ministry of reconciliation Lord God you have you've given us a job to do that's to shine into the dark places of this world and bring your light and rescue people from enemy status to status of being friends with you God you, God. God, we just thank you for the way that there's ambassadors that rescued us. There's people that witnessed to us. There's people that led us to friendship with you. Help us to do the same for others, Lord. We pray these things now in Jesus' name.